Hey, thank you for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can go to our website, RenewalChicago.com. I pray that this podcast today is a blessing and encouragement to your soul. Church, how you feeling this morning? Oh, you guys are asleep. Oh, God. This is going to be rough. You guys are heat exhausted from the week. I get it. This heat showed up way more aggressive than it should have. My name is Ramon. I am a pastoral resident here at Renewal Church, and I get the privilege of serving this body of people in many different ways, from greeting to connections and making sure that you guys get plugged in here at our church to even having the opportunity to be here and preach God's word. I want to thank Pastor Derek, who is the lead pastor here at Renewal Church, for the opportunity given to me to preach God's word. I don't take this lightly. It's a privilege and something that the Bible says should be given its due right to prepare and to train and to trust God that he would speak through a broken man like myself. And I'm thankful for you guys and for Pastor Derek for allowing me this opportunity to preach this morning. Amen? Y'all got to get hype. I am, I'm going to tell you guys now, I am, I don't like speaking to myself. I go a little crazy. So I need you guys to acknowledge me. If not, I will talk a whole hour and a half if you guys got that time. If you guys want me to speed up, then I need you guys to affirm that you get what I'm saying. Amen? That's awesome. Thank you. I'm glad that people are waking up here. I got some amazing faces in this crowd that I have had the privilege of growing up with. Some people that I met today for the very first time, you know who you are. I just want to thank my wife for allowing me to do this as well. I know I got a lot of thank yous, but this is not an easy process. She allows me to do this. She got my back. She holds me down. She is my support. She is one of the biggest cheerleaders in my life, and she lets me know that when I suck, I don't suck that bad. Amen? Y'all know what I mean, especially if you're married. So I'm grateful for her. So what we're going to do today is we're going to be in the book of Colossians. If you can join me in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. 3 through 5. I've titled our text this morning, The Hope of Heaven. How many of you guys have ever heard of heaven? Yes? The truth is, is a lot of people believe in heaven, but I'm hoping that we can be encouraged by what the Bible tells us about heaven. Amen? So if you are with me there, would you stand for the reading of God's word? Amen. Colossians 1, 3 through 5 says, We always give thanks, or we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up, in, laid up for you in heaven, Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. That is the very word of God. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you have gotten us here. 
for whatever reason and where you have brought us from, you have found it fit to bring us here today. And I pray that you would encourage us through your word, the truth that we can hold on to. Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to believe this morning. God, I pray that you would be with me and help me not just speak the good things that I think of, but that I would speak your truth and your truth alone, because that is the only thing we can hold on to. God, we ask that you be with us. We pray this in your mighty name, and your church says, amen. You may be seated. A number of years ago, there was a group of researchers that got together that decided they wanted to test the effects of hope on those that are going through hardship. Anybody been through some hardship? Yes. I'll, I'll answer for you. Well, these researchers get together, and what they do is, is they get two groups of rats. Yes, lovely rats. And they decide to put them in two tanks of water. The first group of rats that were put in the tank drowned within the hour. Drowned. The second group, they would come over and periodically lift the rat out of the water and then place them back down. And to their amazement, they actually found out that the second group of rats were able to survive and swim for a whole 24 hours. What happened? Were they given enough rest and maybe they got their Michael Phelps on and they were able to do this thing? No. These rats were able to have some hope that if they can survive and swim a little longer, that that hand would reach down and rescue them. Follow me, right? If these non-thinking rodents can understand the benefit of hope, how much of a greater effect should hope have on our life? Those are rats. Hope for us is something we need. Again, I've titled our text, The Hope of Heaven. Truth be told, we all respond to hope, right? If we have it, then we can really push forward to meet our goal. Yes? I'm sure all of you guys have had a goal in your life already that because of hope, you were able to reach it. And if you haven't had hope, you probably responded in the opposite where the lack of hope has paralyzed you, not allowing you to grow. Hope has an effect. And this morning, you find yourself here and you might be able to place yourself somewhere. And I want to set our eyes on a hope that is given to us in Scripture. Everybody in this room acknowledges that one way or another, we believe in heaven because we've probably heard of it. But it's not necessarily what the Bible says about heaven if we're honest, right? 75% of people believe in heaven. And I would ask the question, how many of them believe in the heaven that God talks about? If you're here and you call yourself a Christian, you might find yourself with some challenges. Anybody a Christian here that has found themselves in some challenges? It is hard to be a Christian, yes? It is hard to have faith, yes? If it was easy, everybody would do it. You're here maybe today, 
And it's simply just hard to obey God because you have to fight the desires not to sin. And the truth be told, the world is quite enticing. Yes? Thank you. Or just simply saying that you're a Christian immediately is met with hostility, right? I mean, Taylor Swift is mad at people that are Christian right now. I would argue with Taylor that the people that she's talking about aren't Christian, but the world is not very fond of Christians. It's hard to be a believer. Or maybe you've been way too hurt by way too many people to to live for Jesus and God forbid to love the people Jesus loves. Am I speaking to anybody? Or maybe you're here and you've, you're not a religious person, you're not a Christian, you're just here because it's like, yo, I stepped into a high school, I thought this was something completely different. And you might be thinking in the back of your head, why would anybody follow Jesus? My hope is to unpack this text in Colossians so that we can understand that there is hope in following Jesus that fuels our faith and our love for one another. It's probably going to get a little uncomfortable because you're going to have to look at somebody next to you. But the hope that we have in Jesus should fuel our faith and our love for one another. I'm going to get to the hope, though, I promise, because that is going to set us up. My big idea, the lens that I want to look at this text in Colossians 1 is, this is the thought that we would leave with Follow with me. It says, the hope of heaven should fuel our faith in Christ and our love for one another. It's up there. Can y'all read that with me? On three, you don't got to read big idea, but read the hope and, and continue on, right? One, two, three. The hope of heaven... Amen. I have three points that I'm going to walk us through that is going to keep our eyes on the text here. Point number one is the hope of heaven. What is the hope of heaven? Two, our faith in Christ. And three, our love for one another. Now, I find this letter to be quite fitting. I want to give you a little backdrop because this letter in, uh, written to the, to the believers in Colossae, I hope I said that right, was written by Paul, and that city was a smaller city, but it was very diverse. It was considered a cosmopolitan city, which means full of diversity. And in that city, there was also a lot of beliefs about spirituality. Does that sound like somewhere? Maybe somewhere you call home, Chicago, right? A lot of diversity and a lot of beliefs about spirituality. And so much so that those in Colossians or in Colossae were, they had so many ideas about faith and particularly trying to take away or add to the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul is here encouraging those believers and saying, listen, I have heard of your faith and your love for one another, and there is a reason why you are keeping strong in that. And that encouragement that he is giving, Paul is giving and acknowledging in that Colossians church, I believe has the same power to encourage you and I to have faith in Christ 
and love for one another. This text is quite fitting. Just look around us, what we have to call home in Chicago. My first point is this, the hope of heaven. Let's talk about heaven, y'all, because there's a lot of things that people believe. Paul here in verse 5, we're going to kind of work our way backwards and then forward. In verse 5, he says, because of the hope laid up in heaven, laid up for you in heaven, it's yours, right? What does that mean? What does that mean, that laid up hope in heaven? Bible speaks clearly about this. I'll, I'll take you to John 14, 1 and 2. Jesus speaking to the disciples and he says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, but also believe in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? God is talking about heaven. And the first thing we could understand about that hope laid up for us is God has promised us a place to reside in where he himself resides. That right there might deter a lot of people. This is a place that we will have forever. And the best thing about that place is it's where God himself is. What kind of place do you think that is? I don't want to give assumptions, but this makes me think of my daughter. Whenever my daughter goes to somebody's house um, and she's there for too long of a time, she will say, like, I want to go home. I want to go home. Why is she saying that, right? Because she knows the comfort of her home. She knows the good of her home. And better yet, I would argue and say more importantly, she knows that at home, mom and dad are there. The hope of heaven is a place where we get to reside with God himself. And I'd argue that's the best thing about heaven. That is the best thing about heaven. Ask yourself the question, if God is not in heaven, would you want to be there? That's a simple answer right off the top of the head. But if we look deep down, if I'm honest with myself, sometimes I would probably prefer the good things that come with it more than I do the person that is there, Jesus himself, God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, the triune God. So that is a place that we get to reside with God. Secondly, heaven is God's promise to us that there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering, and no more death. We live in Chicago. Those words are foreign to us. And I'd argue that those words are probably foreign around the world as well, but it's fitting for our context. There's so much hurt and pain and death. But Revelation 21 Three through four says it this way. I have heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be, them, be with them as their God. Stop. Just like I said, it is a place that we will have with God forever and he will be ours and we will be his. 
And he continues on in verse 4 and says, He will wipe away every tear from their eye. The death shall be no more, nor, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. This is a life that everybody desires. Am I wrong? We all want that abundant joy where there is no pain, where there is no hurt, where we don't have to worry about our feelings being crushed, that we get to see the enjoyment of the people that we love enjoying as well. Truth be told, God made us for this type of life. This is the life that he gave us in the garden before we ruined it because of our disobedience. Heaven is a place that we will have the life that we were created to have in perfect unity with God, full of joy and no pain, no death but life. Amen? So it's a place that we will reside in forever with God, living the life that we all desire to live, the best life we can have. And if that was not enough, God gives us an inheritance. First Peter 1.4 says it this way. In verse 3, he ends in saying, you were born again to a living hope. And it goes on in verse 4, and it says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. It is a place that you reside. It is a life that you've always wanted, that we all deeply desire and it is filled with a gift of a great value. That is what an inheritance is, right? A gift of great value. Now, when the owner of this valuable, these valuables, these desires, right? Like, I cannot walk up to you and be like, listen, you're a great person. I'm actually going to give you Bill Gates' inheritance. I just let him know when he dies, he's going to give it to you. Could I do that? Because I got some emails to send out right now. You cannot give away something that does not belong to you. And God is saying, in heaven, I give you an inheritance. I give you a gift of value that is mine. If it's God's, can you imagine how valuable that is? It might be hard because the truth is, is you are his and we don't always see ourselves as valuable either. Heaven is a place where there is an inheritance for us. By God's discretion, he has decided to lavish that on us. What in this world can match that criteria? What in this world is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and secure to the point where you don't have to Worry about it. Nothing. Right? As much as we long and seek after that, there is nothing that meets this criteria where God is promising us an inheritance that is given to us by our faith in him. Y'all follow me? Am I losing you guys? Is heaven boring to you guys? I hope not, because I know that I need that encouragement to get through my walk with the Lord. 
God knows us so well, and knowing how fickle and faint and broken our hearts are, that he would give us such an encouragement about a, a promise future. It is the hope of heaven. And if you're, if, if you're a skeptic like me at times, I'm a skeptic, I, I don't want to believe the best of something, or I'm always waiting for the carpet to be ripped from under my feet. If you're a skeptic, I hope to point you to the beginning of verse 5 where it says, because of their hope, because of their hope. What gave them such a confident expectation that heaven would come? Are you guys confident with me telling you that heaven's going to come for those that believe? I wouldn't be. I'm a broken person. I lie. I do things that I shouldn't do. I am broken, but by God's grace, he has saved me and found me and restored me. Amen? So don't take my word for it. I want to look at scripture because this confident expectation has to be in something or from someone that is unchangeable. I'll give you Jesus' words himself. As he inspired it through Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. The beautiful thing is the letter of Colossians was written at the same time as the letter in Ephesians was written. And they actually went out together. So to look at that, it's, you can see the parallel thinking. But in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, Paul writing to those in uh, Ephesus, he says this. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee what is a guarantee? Something that is going to absolutely happen. It is an absolute, right? The truth is, is our faith in the gospel has sealed us with the Holy Spirit, which is a guarantee, follow me, to, for our inheritance until we inquire the possession of it. That's God's word. Maybe God knows us so well that he said, let me make it clear that I have given you a guarantee, and that guarantee is the Holy Spirit that is indwelling in you. If you can look at your life right now and see that you are not the same from the point that you met Jesus, that is a stamp saying, I will give you a promised future. Man, some people will be clapping right now. I, you guys are like, I know Pastor Derek is going to understand this. You guys are just like, oh, amen, amen. I pray that this hits you in your prayer closet. I pray that it grabs hold of your heart at some point throughout the day because the truth is God is not just giving us a wishful thought. He is giving us hope with a guarantee because he has put Christ in us himself, the Holy Spirit, to make sure that we will make it to the end. Amen, Ramon, amen. I, I believe it. I believe it. That is God's truth. If, I, if my voice is changing, it's the wind, it's everything, I'm getting a little strapped, but it's okay. I will preach until I have no voice, amen? We can have that confident expectation with a guarantee because God has given us the promised Holy Spirit in us, changing us right now to look more like Christ, and he guarantees us that he will be with us to make sure that we get to eternity. 
that we get to eternity. That is God's promise to us. Now, I want us to understand, because this sounds nice, but I have to be clear, God is not bribing us. God is not like, you know, the, the State Farm commercial with the guy with the fishing pole. He's like, you want a dollar? And he's like pulling it back, and the girl's like awkwardly jump. God is not doing that with heaven. God is not that old guy with the fishing pole in the State Farm commercial trying to bribe us. No, heaven is God's grace to us. It is God acting in his love for his people despite us to give us something we do not deserve. You are not going to earn heaven on your own. Heaven is a gift from God. It is his grace to us in the same way that we cannot earn our salvation We cannot earn God's approval, but it is his love that he lavishes on us by faith alone. Heaven is a promised future that is a gift from God and God alone. Let us breathe easy because it doesn't bank on our efforts and understand just how great it's going to be because it is a gift from God. Amen? That is the hope of heaven. And Paul acknowledges that the hope in Colossians was what fueled, first, their faith in Christ, and secondly, their love for one another. And this is where it's going to get to the nitty and gritty. This is where it's going to, what does our life look like? My second point is this. Our faith in Christ, verse 4 in the beginning half, it says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, our promised future should keep us believing and trusting in God. We all know that it is not easy believing and trusting in God, but our promised future, the hope of heaven should keep us there. Now remember, the Colossian church in that time with all the teaching and all the false teachers that were around that were trying to add to the gospel, they actually were acknowledged for having faith in Christ. What is faith in Christ? It is the gospel. It is the good news of Jesus Christ that God stepped out of heaven, put on flesh, lived the life that nobody in this room could live, myself included died the death that all of us deserve because of our disobedience, and then showed us his power by raising from the dead so that we can be reconciled back to God. Because of Jesus and Jesus alone. Are you guys with me? That is the gospel. That is what they believed in. And Paul acknowledges that and says, listen, you are believing in the true gospel, and you have not allowed the cultured add-ons to affect it. How is it that they are surrounded by so many different teachings and all the pressure of community and and the culture and society, but they stand firm on believing the truth of the gospel? How? It is because of their hope in heaven. They stand firm on the truth of the gospel, knowing that on this earth there is nothing to lose, but in eternity there is everything to gain. Man, I want to live like that. I want to live like that. I want to believe Jesus and Jesus alone. It is not Jesus plus anything else. But if we're honest, 
we tend to add or we tend to take away because of our friends that we keep, because of the cultural pressures, the workplace, and everything else that adds to it, right? I'll say it like this. If you bake a cake and you add an extra ingredient or you take away an extra ingredient, do you have a cake? Probably not. Take an egg. I'm not a baker, but I asked a baker, so I'm pretty positive on my story, all right? I asked him, I was like, hey, what happens if you add more egg than you should or you take away an egg? And she's like, well, if you take away an egg, the cake is going to be flat and dry and it's going to crumble. You're not even going to have a cake at that point. It's like, interesting. All right. And if you add too many, she's like, well, then it's just going to be really gummy and dense. It's going to kind of be like a sweet baked scrambled egg. I was like, that is gross. Are you following me though, right? If you add or take away from the truth of Jesus, you are not going to get where you are expecting to go. The promises of a future in heaven will only happen by your trust in Christ and Christ alone. If you don't, if you trust in that recipe and you follow that recipe, it will lead you to a delicious fluffy cake, right? I love cake. My wife is giving me a big sweet tooth. We got married and she's like, we're going to have dessert after every meal. Now, now I'm hooked. You're going to have a delicious cake if you follow that. But follow me in that same way, unless we follow the truth of the gospel, Jesus and Jesus alone, that is the only way we get to the promise of eternity, the hope of heaven. If If I have an inheritance, who can give it away if I choose not to, right? Nobody. We said that. I can't give Bill Gates' fortune away to anybody. Question, why does the world try to give away heaven if it doesn't belong to it? So maybe before we buy into things that the world tells us to buy into, let us remember it is trying to sell you a promise that it cannot deliver on. Anybody know that? I've been let down. I have bought into things. What is our add-ons, right? Let's get a little real here. What is it that we add to Jesus to try to give us the hope that we think we're looking for? Is it Jesus plus the American dream? That's me. I'll be honest. I like, I love Jesus, and sometimes I'm like, can I just, can I get the white picket fence? I got two kids, God. Like, no, no. If I never get that, he's still good. And what awaits me in eternity is much greater. Is it Jesus plus all this other spirituality, right? Is it Jesus plus uh, your chakras or your crystals and jewels? Is it Jesus plus positive vibes? What do we try to add to Jesus? Now, I'm not... I'm not knocking some of these things because some things are good, some things are bad. But when they are a supplement or trying to help Jesus, we've missed it. Jesus doesn't need any help. He has done what nobody can do. He stepped down from heaven, lived the perfect life, died the death we deserve, and rose from the grave in power. He doesn't need any help. It isn't Jesus plus anything. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. And that was the Colossians faith. That, that, that's who the believers in Colossae 
That was the type of faith that they had. Secondly, before I go there, let me, let me encourage you. Because that struggle is real. To add to Jesus, I'm not going to act like I don't do it because I do it. Like I said, take your eyes off of what you deem to be hope. Because if, I, if I'm honest, I can bank that what we have done is we have decided what hope really is. Rather than seeing what hope is that, through Jesus' eyes. Right? You follow me? Let us take our eyes off of what we think we find hope in, the American dream, the positive vibes, the school, the education, the money, the relationships, whatever we feel like we need to add to the gospel. Let us take our eyes off of that and look solely at Jesus. Solely at Jesus. Because of their hope laid up for them in heaven, Paul has heard of their faith in Christ, and secondly, their love for one another. Their love for one another. That is my third point, our love for one another. The ending of verse 4 says, of the love that you have for all the saints, our promised future should move us to care about one another. That's where it gets hard because it ain't only about you now. It's easy when I got to deal with myself and my emotions, but what you're telling me is now I got to look outside of me and look to the person to my left or to my right. Cue the left or the right, right? Go ahead, anybody. Look at the person next to you. God is giving us an encouragement to care for one another. Care for one another. But what fuels that? How, if you ask me to do it, I don't do it on my own, Right? Churches are dying because the lack of community, the lack of love for one another. The world is against the church because they look at them. And when Jesus said, they will know you by my love for one another, the the world looks into the church and says, nobody loves each other there. Why would I want to be there? Yeah, we can clap. That's a tough clap. Yeah. But what's going to fuel us to get there? It is our promised future that should move us to care for one another. It makes sense that God or or Paul would acknowledge those in Colossae uh, after following their faith, right? He acknowledges their faith and then their love for one another because the truth is faith takes action through love. Galatians 5, 6. We can't say that we believe in this gospel. That's where the gospel steps outside of us now, where I believe in your goodness and all that you have done for me and not be moved to love somebody else the way God has loved us. It's impossible. God, knowing how hard that is, gives us this encouragement through the book of Colossians. John 13, 34, and 35 says this way, Jesus speaking. He says, and a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love for one another is a stamp of genuine proof that you have faith in Christ and Christ alone. Go ahead and take a moment to look into your life and ask yourself, how am I loving my brother or sister? And if you don't know Jesus, 
We are not perfect. No church is, but we are trying to get it together. And let me encourage you that the family of Christ is one that strives to love each other. There's a beautiful hope in that. My daughter, I love my daughter, and I asked her if I can talk about her, and as spicy and as spunky as she is, you know, she's like, you're going to talk about me? I was like, yes, I am, baby. And she's like, okay. (laughs) She loves it. But she teaches me so much about God. She really does. Take it this way. My daughter now, I hope there's a, I don't want to encourage jealousy, but have a little jealousy, y'all, okay? My daughter gets up in the morning and she will make little pancakes. They're, They're microwavable, but she'll make pancakes for her and her little brother. And then she'll make coffee for her mother. She, she is like thriving to take care of us. You guys tracking with me? She has seen, and when I asked her, what makes you want to do this? She goes, well, this is what mommy does. My, mom, my wife is much better at taking care of me than I am taking care of her in the morning, okay? I'm going to be honest. Can I be honest in church? If I can't do it here, I can't do it nowhere, right? My daughter has seen the love that my wife has for the family, and now she gets up and now expresses that same type of love. It is the same way that when we see the love of God towards us, when we understand the hope of heaven, we are naturally moved to love one another. My question then lies, where's your hope? If it's not moved to love one another, it may be possible that you are not hoping in the gospel and the promised future. That is a hard reality. I would hate for you to go thinking that you are believing and living contrary. We need to believe and love one another. That is the truth of the gospel. The Colossian church was encouraged and acknowledge because of their belief in heaven that fueled their faith and their love for one another. How do we make that happen? How do we make, how do we put hands and feet to this? Because I don't want to just say, do it without giving you some, some application, right? I, this is not exhaustive. This is not, I don't got the corner on the market, but how can we love one another? What moves us to doing Do we believe that the world sees us and sees a loving God? Let us be moved to love one another. How are we loving our brothers and sisters? First and foremost, it's community. We've said this word before. Here at Renewal, what we do is call groups, right? If you haven't been a part of a group, get plugged into a group. It's pretty awesome. They're all throughout the city. But our love for one another first can happen in community, right? God calls us into a family. When we believe, we are adopted as children and brought into a loving family. Family spends time together, amen? If you haven't spent time with your family, spend some time with your family. But it is community. And not only just getting together, but actually fellowshipping What does that mean? That means is I am concerned for your growth in God as you are concerned for my growth in God. How can I love you? By being concerned for your love for God. 
That's a little aggressive, Mr. Preacher Man. You're asking me to get in people's life? God calls us to get into people's life. That is his word. It ain't me. It ain't comfortable. So I'm not like, this is the best thing ever. It is hard. It is messy. It hurts. But it is what God calls us to do. And the way we can do it is by understanding our hope in Jesus that gives us a promised future. We can risk being hurt. We can risk encouraging somebody. We can make sure that they don't settle for anything less than what is to wait for them in eternity, right? Amen. I'll take a a page out of the, the, the book of the dating world, right? Like girls and their best friends make sure that their best friends don't settle, right? Girl, you dating who? Mm-mm. You know you better not be settling for that man, right? Oh, is that too touchy? Am I being offensive? I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody. But it's true. It's what happens in culture. Friends that love each other make sure that they don't settle. In the same way, if we love each other, we should make sure that our brothers and sisters do not settle for anything less than heaven. That is a place where God himself resides, that he calls us into to live forever, to live a life that we were created to live and has an inheritance that is unmeasurable, unfading, imperishable. That's how we can love one another. I think I'm getting a little too, get a little hostility here, so... It's hard, and I'm not acting like it's easy, but the truth is is God is calling us to do this. And if we love one another, if we have faith in Christ and Christ alone, then heaven will encourage us and fuel us to keep on keeping on. Amen? I'll close with this. Heaven, again, is God's grace to us, a place that he has made, that he calls us into because he loves us. And the best part about that place is that he himself is there. He loves us so much that he would guarantee that we would get there by giving us the Holy Spirit that is changing and transforming us to look more like Jesus and will ensure that we make it to the very end. That is the truth of God's word. I'll say it this way and I'll close. For a Chicagoan suffering through winter, their hope is a Chicago summer, right? Yeah? Chicago summer will make you forget about a Chicago winter any day. It is their hope in their summer that gets them through the winter. If you are a Bulls fan, it is the... No, they have no hope, so let me not go there. You like that, right? (laughs) But honestly, if you are... If you are a mother giving birth, it is the hope of holding your child at the end of that labor that gets you through. If you are an athlete enduring the pain and pushing and fighting to get to that finish line, it is the reward that awaits you at the end that gets you to that finish line. In the same way, the hope of heaven is the encouragement and the hope that we need to have faith in Christ and Christ alone and to love one another, to endure, to make it to the end. Church, will you pray with me? 
Thanks again for listening to our podcast today. I pray again that it was a blessing and encouragement to your soul. And I hope to see you at one of our services at 10 a.m. Take care. God bless you. Mm-hmm.